Hey friends, welcome to the Taking Your Next Step podcast from Collegians for Christ. Through each episode, we will journey together focusing on becoming better followers of Jesus. If you are eager, like I am, to follow Jesus Christ, then take your next step now by joining us in today's episode. Before we jump into our episode, I want you to mark your calendars for the upcoming Winter College and Career Retreat on February 10th through the 11th in Greenville, North Carolina. Uh, Cost will be $35. There will be two main preaching sessions, breakout sessions dealing with relevant issues, uh, small groups, God-infused time. There'll be a real talk session where me and my wife will will teach basically together, kind of a joint session. Uh, We'll have a hot topic Q&A session. Of course, a group activity that will be uh, a blast, fun games, a delicious lunch and snacks. And you can register and get more information at CFC Retreats. We also will be providing some equipping training sessions just for college and career leaders to help you to grow and establish an effective ministry to uh, young adults and college students. So if you have any questions, reach out to us. So we've been walking through this topic of abortion. We are trying to really understand what we believe, but not only that, why we believe what we believe. We're talking about what is the unborn. That is the ultimate question at hand. If the unborn is not a human being, if the unborn born is not a person, then yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with uh, taking it, removing it, uh, destroying it, whatever you want to do to it. But if the unborn in a mother's womb is a living human being, then it has the same rights, regardless of its location, regardless of its size or level of development that you and I possess, regardless if you are 15 or 25, 55 or 75. You see, we're establishing that the unborn is a distinct living and whole human being. Science confirms that, that life begins at conception. And from conception, the uh, one cell, the zygote, has everything within itself that it needs to grow and develop. And so we want to continue on looking at the idea that the unborn is a whole human being. It is not part human. The unborn is not just a blob of tissue, as some would lead you to think. It's not just a collection of cells, as others maybe would lead you to think. You see, an embryo has a full set of chromosomes and its own DNA that produces growth and development. What is the embryo then? What is uh, the unborn in its mother's womb? The embryo being the smallest size before it becomes a fetus. What is it? It is a complete and whole human being producing its own directed development from fertilization. The unborn is a biological human being. It is not just a blob of tissue. It is not just a collection of sales, it is a distinct living whole human being. It has its own DNA, just as everybody in the United States should have a social security number that is distinct to themselves unless somebody has stolen yours or copied yours, right? Every one of us are supposed to have a, a distinct number. Just the same, our DNA is distinct and it is not uh, a copy of someone. It is not, it is a distinct living whole human being. It's not part human or part something else. You see, it develops how according to the kind of thing it is. If it comes out as a human being, then what did it start? It started as a human being. There's not some transition in the womb where it goes from being nothing to something. 
or being a gorilla to a human. No, we understand from conception. That's when life begins. That's when it has its DNA. And from that point on, the growth and development occurs because it is a human being, a whole human being, regardless of the size or regardless of the level of development that it has. The unborn child is not constructive. We must understand it is it is developed. It develops itself. The unborn is not constructed piece by piece from the outside. Rather, the unborn develops from the inside. Nothing from the outside is added to it. We understand that it needs nutrients from the mother, uh, but everything that it needs to grow is begins from that one cell. It contains everything that it needs from the very beginning. The unborn has everything within itself to continually develop into an adult human being from conception. Think about that just for a moment. We don't have to add in this, these things. We don't have to inject this into it in order for it to become an adult. It begins the process, that lifelong process of growing, 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 developing into an adult until we would die off. Uh, Psalm 139, verse 16, even alludes. David had no ultrasound technology uh, in that day, but as God revealed to him his word, he said this, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, when, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. And so he alludes to this idea that from conception, the baby or the unborn develops. Uh, and this alludes to the scientific truth that we understand that the unborn develops. So lastly here, as we want to finish up, we want to look at the fact that the unborn, yes, the unborn is a distinct living whole human being. Please, I know you've heard me say that, but get that in your mind as you talk about uh, the unborn, because that's what they are, and that gives you a basis uh, for your uh, view for your belief, not only biblically, yes, that's where we start, but when we're talking to people who could care less about the Bible, who are not Christian, they could care less about what our God says, what else can we say? Well, we can establish scientifically that they are a distinct, living, whole human being, which also allows us to argue not only from the biblical perspective, which is very important, and we need to begin there, but it also allows us to, to argue rationally and also argue scientifically. So as we finish up here, we want to establish that the unborn is a person with dignity and value because they are a distinct living whole human being they have dignity and value scott klusendorf again i've mentioned him a couple times uh, he has an excellent book website on uh, the case for life uh, he gives this acrostic the sled acrostic to defend the personhood of the unborn and here we're establishing what the unborn is so he gives the acrostic sled he talks about size level of development, environment, and degree of dependence. And I'll talk about these briefly just so you understand what we're saying here. So human beings come in all sizes, right? Some people are tall, some people are short, some people are wider, some people are not quite as wide, some people weigh more, some people weigh less, we look different. We all come in different shapes and sizes. The question is then, should we kill another because it is smaller? If we're saying the unborn, because of its size, does not have the same rights as someone who is 5'6", or someone who weighs 130, then we're saying that because of their size, if they're smaller than another, then we can kill them. And we want to see how this logic 
uh, carries out. So that is the size, level of development. This is what people would say in order for you to become from a biological human being into a person who has rights, you have to become a certain size. You have to have a certain level of development. You have to have a certain environment. You have to be outside of the womb, not in the womb, and then degree of dependence. And he's going to walk through these four key ones here. So the level of development, think about this. The unborn is less developed than an infant. Yes, we would agree with that. But an infant is left less developed than a toddler. Yes, we would agree with that. A toddler is less developed than a teenager. Yes, and a teenager is less developed than adult. So the question is this, should rights be taken based on the level of development? Should we be able to kill one because it is less developed? This is what the thinking of the personhood theory, this is the thinking, the logic that undergirds the pro-abortion, pro-choice movement, the agenda. Because the unborn is less developed, then it has no rights to life. Just because of its size, because it's smaller in size, it has no no. You see the difference. A teenager is less, is smaller maybe than an adult, uh, is less developed than an adult. What about their environment? Does a person's geographical location determine his or her value? If a premature baby is placed into the mother's arm, no one questions the value if this is a, even a human life. So let's say it's delivered prematurely, uh, well before the, uh, the nine-month period. They're not going to say, well, sorry, that's not a baby. We can't put it in your arms yet. I wish it had gone until nine months. No, they look at it and they love it. They cherish it. They try to keep it alive. Why should a baby the same age, only a few inches away, allowed to be killed? So if it's delivered prematurely, it's a baby. It has life. But if it's in the mother's womb, same age, same size, same level of development, you can kill it based on its environment. Then lastly here, the degree of dependence. An unborn is dependent on the mother for survival, but also you think about this, an infant is dependent on a mother or, and or a father for survival. I have a three-year-old, and let me say this, if I was not around or my wife was not around, then um, he would not make it. Whether it be food, whether it be danger to himself, yes, the unborn is dependent on the mother, but also my three-year-old is dependent upon me and my wife for his survival. But on the flip side of that, someone who is sick is dependent on a caretaker or medical personnel. Does the level of dependence take away a person's value? According to the personhood theory, according to the pro-choice, pro-abortion movement, yes. So should we be allowed to kill some someone because they are dependent on another? We're saying the unborn child is dependent upon the mother, and because of that, it, you can take its life. It's not a person. It does not have rights. But my three-year-old's dependent upon me. Would you say that I can take my three-year-old's life? You say, no, you murderer. You cannot do that. Should we be able to take someone's life because they have uh, gotten old and they're requiring medical attention or the dependence of another person to care for them? Absolutely not. That's not where their value and their dignity comes from. It comes from the fact that they are a human being. That's where your value, your dignity, regardless of what size you are, regardless of how developed you are mentally or physically, regardless of where you live geographically, and regardless of if you depend upon someone or not, 
You are valuable. You have rights just like every single other human being has rights because you're created by God. You're created by God in his image. And that's where you receive your identity, not based on what you can do or what you cannot do, not based on the performance or your abilities. None of that. You see, the biblical worldview teaches that a human being is a person and a person is a human being. You cannot separate the two. All human beings have unalienable rights granted from their creator. You have value and dignity because of the kind of thing you are, a human being, not because of what you can do. We've talked about that. Let me read to you one passage as we close out here in Luke chapter 1. Uh, we talked about this in one of our previous studies, but uh, this shows us what the, the unborn is in the womb. John the Baptist hears Mary speak, and he jumps for joy. Uh, the unborn that is nothing but a blob of cells, a blob of tissue, he recognizes and he reacts because he is a distinct, living, whole human being. In Luke chapter 1, verse number 30, the Bible says this. Uh, it says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. Then we go up to verse number 39, and it talks about where uh, Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And, came, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. So as we go back to Mary, what was this in her womb? Let me ask you this. When did Jesus Christ enter the womb? Was it at conception? Was it at the first trimester, the second, the third? Was it when he was born? What was in Mary's womb? When did God become a human? At conception, at birth? You see, Jesus was Jesus in the womb at conception. He did not have to become a certain size or develop certain qualities, be in a certain location, or not be dependent on his mother to be Jesus Christ. He was Jesus Christ the moment of conception. He was not part Jesus, part something else. He was not some other kind of thing. He was a distinct, living, whole human being, and his name was, his DNA made up Jesus Christ. And so in order to support abortion, we must decide that a distinct living whole human being in its earliest stages has no real value, so little value that it can be killed at any time for any reason. On the other hand, we must decide that at some later stage, the unborn is transformed into a different kind of being of such high value that the killing of it is now murder. So we have established both biblically and now scientifically that from the moment of conception, the unborn is, and you can say it with me, a distinct living and whole human being. So therefore it has, he or she has value, dignity, and rights. The unborn child has the right to life. So electively terminating a pregnancy or aborting a baby is the same as taking a person's life that is walking around. It is murder. What applies to humans applies to the unborn because they are human regardless of their size, level of development, environment, or degree of dependence. Look, look around you. If you're, if you're riding down the road, if you're walking, uh, next time you go into your, uh, your classroom, next time you go into your workplace, look around you. Do you agree that each person has the same basic rights and should be treated equally? If yes, why? What is the basis if all of us should be treated equally, there must be some quality that we all share equally that justifies us being treated equally. It can't be our age. 
because we're all different ages. It can't be that we look human because there's some of us that could be and are disfigured. It cannot be that we have a brain that functions because there's some in a reversible coma right at this moment. It cannot be our ability to think because, let's be honest, some of you think better than me. If it is something we can gain or lose, then equal rights cannot exist. What is it in? What is it then? It is our human nature, and that is what we all share equally. You either have it or you don't. The fact that you are a distinct, living, whole human being is what gives each person their basic human rights, which we share equally. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please share it with a friend or subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can connect with Collegians for Christ online for more information and resources at cfccampusministry.com.